episode 2350 of the number one podcast and Apple podcast for job search. This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Alton, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. Well, we got a notification that we have been listed in the Top Career Podcast Guide for the fifth consecutive year. Yes, you are listening to or watching, if you're on Spotify, one of the top career podcasts in the world today. And we've been on air for 11 years, more than 11 years, more than 2,300 episodes, and we're still rolling because there's just so much more to give you. Today's show is one where I talk with David Shuckman. David is a guy who runs a number of networking groups in New Jersey, and we talk here about getting started in consulting, contracting, temp, or gig work, because whether you're older or younger, there's benefits to doing this between work. And for some of you who are older, this may be the way that you're going to get work that's going to lead you back into the workforce as an employee, instead of sitting there watching Netflix all afternoon and wondering when the phone's going to ring. Hope you find this helpful. Give it a great review wherever you listen to it. Share it. It's going to help someone else as well. And now, let's get going. So my guest today is David Shuckman. He's an IT professional with Princeton Technology Advisors and has a true passion for technology implementation, as well as applications design development and IT operations. And he's an active leader with Job Hunter Support Communities uh, in New Jersey. So he's the current executive chair of a professional services group of Mercer County in Princeton, a co-facilitator of New Jersey job seekers in Princeton, and on the board of the career support group at St. Gregory the Great in Hamilton, New Jersey. I'm getting a theme here. And the Breakfast Club of New Jersey in East Brunswick, New Jersey. David, welcome. Good. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, thanks for that warm introduction. Hearing that, I'd like to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I would hope you would. Yeah. <laughs> and make a decision when you're done, because if you don't want to listen to it at the end of this, <laughs> we don't have to use it. Okay. Well, I'm sure it'll be just fine. I'm excited. I'm sure it will be too. So you know, we're going to be talking today about consulting, gig work, things along those lines, folks, because there's no one clear path. And given that the show is about uh, helping people find work, I thought it was a great topic to work with. So let's start off with a definition. What's a consultant? What do they do? How are they different from an employee? So uh, in a lot of ways, as a consultant, we don't differ from employees. We're, we're doing work. We're providing skills or service or expertise or advice. Uh, and we provide that professionally. But I guess what's a little different as compared to full-time employment is we're working under a fixed contract. So we, we know what the project is about. We know our rate is going to be. And typically we know what the term or the length of that project is going to be. And then when it ends, uh, there's a good likelihood it's that we will not be with that organization any longer. And thus the difference in terms of the working relationship between an employee and a consultant? You know, I, I think as the way you do your work as, in a, as the worker, whether you're the employee or the consultant, then we could say consultant, contract, the gig worker. I think they're all kind of the same thing. 
I, I think a lot of it is really very much the same. You know, you are an active contributor. You do bring an expertise and a wisdom to the position. Uh, but of course, there is a little bit of an arm's length difference of how you are engaged with the organization that's brought you on board. So that's that's a little bit of the difference. And I know there are tax differences between the two. So, for example, as an uh, as an employee, the firm you're working for is paying half your Social Security sure. and Medicare, different types of taxes, whereas you're paying the full amount. Um, and there are other nuances from a financial standpoint that sure. someone has to contend with, of course. Yeah. So, you know, really for anyone who's listening, you do need to speak with your own tax professional because there may be situations for you or in your state or locale that are going to be specific to you. But we'll talk a little broadly or I'm just a friend talking to you to you as a friend. But yeah, typically, you know, if you're used to getting a paycheck, uh, you look at the line item that you grumble about, you know, the taxes that you've paid. But on the other hand, your employer, if you are employed as a full-time employee, you know, they're taking care of that filing for you every paycheck. Um, there are another tax item that we pay for with every paycheck. It's called FICO, which is the federal portion of the taxes. And that's Social Security and Medicare taxes. And a lot of people don't know that um, the employer pays half of our employer tax typically as a benefit, uh, and we pay the other half. But when you're engaged as a consultant, those taxes are not coming out of your paycheck or your invoice. And so uh, you do need to uh, pay for those on your own, make sure that you cover them. And so it's typically we file quarterly uh, estimated tax. And it's really easy. It's a little form, a slip of paper, and it's an estimated amount that you're sending to the different municipalities where you have a tax obligation. And again, federal government, state, and in some cases, local governments as well, depending sure. upon where you are in the country and whether or not there is a local tax jurisdiction involved and sure, just to remind you folks we are not accountants we are not lawyers <laughs> take this to your accountant and lawyer for verification because at the time you watch this if it's like we're recording this in 2022 things may change and we just want to make sure that you take the baseline information and go to your trusted advisors uh, to ensure that you don't wind up being harmed yep sage advice so why should someone become a, a consultant or gig worker? What's in it for them to do this? So, you know, there's two sides to that, of course. What's in it for the hiring company and what's in it for you? And the, what the hiring company typically likes, as consultants, we're easier to bring on board and to terminate. Uh, they bring you on board without going through the legal department and HR department. And uh, while the legal department probably helps them write the contract or reviews your contract, you know when it's going to end. And so it's a lot simpler for them. But for you, there could be a lot of reasons. If you've been out of work for a while, having a hard time finding that next time, next full-time employer, you got a bit of a gap on your resume and some hiring managers don't like gaps. They may say, gee, if no one else hired this guy, David, why should I? But it fills a gap because now you you're, you're have this gig, this little 
project that you're working on and a little it just means not full time it could be three months six months a year or more uh, the other thing that's kind of nice is on an hourly basis you're typically paid more because your rate that you're charging typically will cover the other expenses that you may have, whether it's covering some of your personal time off, your cost to buy your insurance and other expenses. And companies usually know that for the short term of the contract compared to employment, there's a little bit of a premium. Um, your LinkedIn profile, you know, uh, we as job hunters, when I was a job hunter, we always valued LinkedIn for helping us with job hunting. LinkedIn has this concept called, they used to call it all-star status. They now call it 100% complete profile. And one of the requirements to have 100% complete profile is that you have a current position or position with no end date. And so if your last job ended two months ago, it has an end date. And if you post that end date, which I think you should, uh, you are not a 100% complete profile. And while LinkedIn doesn't really leak out all the information about their search algorithm, one thing we do know from uh, using it a lot, the 100% complete profile come up a little higher than the people not quite at 100%. So those are some of the reasons why someone may want to consider uh, switching or becoming a consultant, whether that's their new full-time position or uh, until the next full-time position comes along. And folks, you're making some money. <laughs> you know, it is funny. I, I, you mentioned, of course, uh, I'm active with the Job Seeker Support Community, and we are a community of people. That's how you and I got to know each other. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of the people that I talk with will say, no, I'll wait as long as it takes to get that full-time position because I want that security. And you know, if you're unemployed, you know there's no security in a full-time position. Most states, if not all, are at-will employers. And they may say, it's time for us to reevaluate our employee status and let people go. So that's unfortunate. And so work, even as a consultant, you can cover any of your expenses that you have with that income that's coming in. And it's interesting. Uh, when you're an employee, of course, your expense of getting to and from work. We do remember that there was a time we actually had to go to an office. The expenses of going to and from work are not a covered item. It's a cost to you. And as a consultant, as a gig worker, if you're in that situation where you're going to an office or you're using part of your home or, you know, there's lots of different variations that the government allows you to deduct. Right. It's not the entire home because you're not using the entire home. You're using some piece of it. Um, your computer, you know, a variety of other things suddenly become business expenses that are deductible. And again, consult with your accountant and tax advisors for what is accurate in the current yeah. times. Yeah, certainly at the time that we're recording this, uh, a few years ago, there was a uh, tax reform, federal tax reform in 2018, and a number of the professional and business deductions were removed. You know, there were gives and takes, and I'm not here to comment in general about that, but as an employee employed by a company on a full-time basis, there are a lot less uh, business deductions that you have available to you. And one of the reasons why is if it's really important, your company should be paying for it. Well, when you're self-employed, even if you have a home office, in my case, I'm in a corner of a spare bedroom, so that's how big my home office is, uh, but I have business expenses, just like the employer 
does. And so uh, my monitor that I'm staring at, my, my camera, my computer, those are all business deductions. I'll just make up numbers. You know, if I made $100,000 this year and I had $25,000 in business expenses, my taxable income would be 75,000, not the full 100,000. And uh, you mentioned commuting. Uh, th that's a gray area because if you're commuting daily for a consulting, it may not be a deduction. But if you have to visit a client from time to time, that may be deductible. So uh, do speak to someone who could talk about your situation specifically. You know, maybe half your cell phone gets deducted, half your internet bill, you know, because you're using it at home office for work and for home. So you can find a lot of deductions. And save yourself some money. So employers, what's the deal with them and why they like consultants or gig workers uh, versus at times the employee? And we know they like employees. They seem to hire them with regularity. But why would they want a consultant as well as, a, as an employee? You know, well, I mentioned a little bit earlier with that, you know, easier to onboard and offboard somebody. There's typically no, no expected long-term commitment. And a lot of us can argue there's no long-term commitment with being employed any longer. Um, but it's already, it's not just implied, it's known. You will be on a six-month contract. It could go longer, it could go shorter. Generally, my observation is that hiring managers, you know, the people that will be your boss, they hire with a different mindset where they onboard people with a different mindset between a consultant and an employee. For instance, as a consultant, they want you to be an expert. They want you to come in with the skills they don't have. But I've seen with employees, they kind of have this mindset, can I work with this person for eight hours a day? Can I work with this person in overtime? I think I like this person. And if there's a skill or two that he or she are missing, we can cross train on that. So it's a little bit of a mindset. And ultimately, because it's project based, long term, it does save the company money. Because when the project is over, and you're employed, you're still there mm -hmm. uh, as an employee, as a contractor, they'll say, thanks very much. We'll you know, <laughs> leave you something nice on LinkedIn. And but our relationship for now is over. So even though there's some initial higher in, or high in increased rate that they're paying long-term, it's really much more beneficial. And there's probably different ways on the books that they account for those expenses, capital versus uh, current year. And uh, you know, their accountants would have to talk to them about the benefits of that as well. It's a different budget line uh, for them that it comes out of. So you know, you're not on the employee uh, budget lines. You're on a different budget line that has a fixed duration. They know what, what it costs. There's a certainty to it for them. Where... The cost is approved for a period of time or they, right. So uh, it, it works out uh, for them very often. Uh, they, they certainly do need employees. I, very few companies have no employees, but my company only has me as an employee. Um, but um, uh, it works out for them in the long run for some projects. So why wouldn't someone want to do this versus the nine to five grind of being an employee? Well, I think if you're on a, a contract, you have the nine to five or nine-ish to five-ish grind anyway, you know, you're hoping to work, you know, a regular job. My background is uh, I spent 30 years working in corporate America, worked for a few different companies, and I had no desire to be a consultant or be self-employed. I don't consider myself an entrepreneur. I still don't consider myself an entrepreneur. But what I found is that uh, this becoming at the time I lost my job, the 50 plus person, I was a little less, I was getting less interviews. 
it was harder to convince people I didn't know to consider speaking with me. However, I was getting these small gig assignments and they were really very small. I was helping someone with a website or a little work like that. And I was getting more of these gig projects than I was getting interviews. And I realized that this was sensible for me. It may be sensible for others. Uh, so um, I think people are in the mindset, I've got to have that job until I'm ready to retire. And, um, you know, maybe their parents, you know, worked for a long time in one company or had that commitment. Uh, the marketplace has changed a little. They hire differently now for lots of different reasons. And I think it helps us if we can be as flexible uh, and respond to the way the market hires. Agreed. And I've got to imagine, like, if you're a younger professional, let's say 20s, 30s, and you've got some training around, I'll, I'll use technology as an example. You have a, you have a, you recognize you have a tech deficiency of some sort and you want to start gravitating to a new field and you're paying for your own training, you might be able to pick up a gig or a consulting assignment that allows you to get that experience so then you can transition into full time. Does that well, work? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. There are contract to hire positions that we hear about. And there are people that will say, well, I don't want to be a contractor, but I want to be a contract to hire. But some companies don't know they need to hire you until they've contracted you for six months. So you certainly do need to be open to being uh, a contractor or be open to contract positions. And so I think that could be very beneficial as a means for transitioning, uh, as well as a means for filling a gap. And I, and I want to be clear with everyone, when they say contract to hire or attempt to perm, there's no guarantee that they're going to hire you at the end of six months or whatever the term is. You know, it's a possibility. They're evaluating you. Their needs may change. They've put out a carrot to bring you on board and there's no guarantee. Yeah, or the project got canceled halfway through. I happened to work for a company at a time that did that. We had a lot of consultants and a, a goal of building new software. And then in the end, the company pulled the plug on it and we let the contractors go. Yeah. Awful. And it happens. It, it does. Yeah. It's a, you know, both sides. Yeah. So does someone need to be incorporated to do this or can they just kind of operate as a, a human being? <laughs> well, uh, human beings can be corpse too. Well, that sounds funny. Um, well, we'll put that aside for another uh, podcast, I suppose. But uh, typically, no. Typically, you don't need to be an incorporated entity or an LLC. There are a lot of legal entities that each state has, and you would need to speak to someone, uh, look in your state's red, uh, treasury department or revenue department to see what's available in your state. But typically you don't have to be. And so some of your options may be, if you're not interested in forming your own corporation, is you can work for a company that is a consulting company and they have the clients and they will employ you but it'll be a short-term employment from the perspective of they have a six-month or 12-month contract. Or maybe you have a friend who has a company who can say, hey, can you do me this favor? Hire me, you know, cover my, my income taxes. It'll come out of the, the rate or the wage, but you'll be the legal entity between myself and the client that I'm bringing you. Um, they're actually professional employers. Um, they're called split placement companies. These are companies that are kind of consulting companies, but they don't have clients 
with projects, what they do is they wait for their clients are the consultants. And you come to them and you say, um, I've got this uh, contract. Uh, will you be the company that hires me? And then the, you're employed by them on a W-2 and they arrange for uh, you know, the employment uh, or the contract between them and the, the contract company or the employer and put you on the contract. So there are other options. But of course, uh, if you feel comfortable or if this may be something you'll do a little bit more long-term or you appreciate the independence, uh, and certainly when you're working for someone else, you may be giving up a little bit more of the rate to them because they have administrative charges that they're entitled to get reimbursed for. You certainly can form your own company and you would need to, again, look at your own state's treasury or revenue department to understand what that is. But uh, I believe now all 50 states do have what's called an LLC. It is called a limited liability company. And so it is a legal entity in your state. And so I am, my company, Princeton Technology Advisors, is an LLC in New Jersey. Uh, there could be some Princeton Technology Advisors in another state, and that's fine. And, and um, you know, there's different tax reporting if you go into more of a, a traditional corp, it's called the C Corp, uh, where there's a separate corporate entity that files taxes with an LLC, the tax difference, it just shows up on your, your own schedule C. It's, uh, uh, miscellaneous income expenses, but if you have a corp, certain structures, it'll file its own tax return and employ you and you'll file your personal income tax return. And that's really, I'm talking at a very high simplified level, you know, a tax professional can talk to you and to uh, people listening about what their own situation will be. But yeah, I want to back up for a second to, to something you described earlier. Uh, and that is for the individual who's may not be planning on doing this long term. It may be simpler for them to work through another company and contract through that company to the ultimate clients sure. so that, yes, there's a cost that takes place in doing that. So I'm just picking out random numbers. If you're not getting seven, if the top number is 70 an hour from the client, for that firm to bring you on to their payroll, you may receive, again, I'm picking out a random number, 50. And for them to do administrative costs. I know when I did recruiting, uh, we generally work with a one-third margin or more uh, to bring someone onto our payroll. Because uh, that dealt with the financing costs, because uh, we were financing lots of consultants on payroll. Uh, and it allowed us to be able to book all those people, knowing we're going to receive delayed payment from the end client. And that's always something to consider. It's not like every Friday you get a check as an employee. That's right. That's You're sending an invoice to a company and well, like any company, they may take 30 days, they may take 60 days or longer. <laughs> yeah, as an employee, uh, a W-2 employee, the company has an obligation to pay you. And so if you're paid weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, you'll get that paycheck. Uh, as a contractor or an independent, they're obligated to pay you, but the terms are different. And so I've had that before where I've been a subcontractor and I've waited a couple of months because my hiring organization's client took a long time. And so that was 
you know, I, I, it was the first contract I had and I wasn't really aware. Uh, I guess you could build terms into your contract, uh, you know, pay in 30 days. Uh, but um, it, yeah, so there, there are certainly differences uh, that way. And uh, yeah, you're right. You know, the, the hiring company, you know, if you're on board with one of, I won't name them, but the big consulting companies that are around and each industry has their own, they tend to take a big piece of that nut uh, rate wise. And it's not, I don't necessarily think it's unfair. They are doing the recruiting. They have a risk that you don't. Um, they're putting a lot of effort with no guarantee that they'll place somebody. So there's a lot of administrative cost. So, you know, if, if they're billing you out at, um, what would you say, 70 and you're getting 50, th that's probably a pretty good spread for you to get that uh, $50,000. And by the way, I'm sorry, $50 an hour. $50 an hour on an annual basis is still about $100,000. So you're, you're pretty good. And um, yeah, and, and, and most professionals, I guess it depends on the region of the country you're in, but most uh, professionals are getting at least 50, if not more, uh, an hour. And if you have a wife, husband, partner that has insurance at their employer, you don't have to deal with insurance costs for your health insurance. If they're the stay at home individual, yes, you have the cost of health insurance. If you want to do that, you also uh, are not going to be paid for vacation time right. as you might as an employee. And our goal here is to lay out a case so that you can make good choices for you. As a baseline, it's great to fill in gaps rather than sitting home watching TV. You know, and also if you are employed by the consulting company that puts you on contract, they may give you benefits or they may say benefits are available after six months or 12 months, a longer gap than what might be typical employment, but it may be available to you. Or you can buy health insurance at our group rate. So it may be less expensive for you than going out to the healthcare marketplace or may not, depending on your income level, because the healthcare marketplace does have um, uh, credits that they offer you as well. So, but you may get benefits from being employed by a consulting company set that may not be available as an independent. Right. So there's so much more, and I want to make sure we're covering lots of different things. Now, from a business standpoint, I always think in terms of, you know, there's the lunatic client who's going to, you know, act crazy and threaten to sue you. Do you need any sort of insurance protection uh, when you're doing consulting or, or gig work? So, um, yeah, you may. And um, so what is insurance? Insurance covers you from any risk. You know, a lot of us know automobile insurance and the risk would be if you have an accident, you would say, I'm a good driver, I'll never have an accident. But yeah, there could be the lunatic driver who runs the red light and hits you. So you need the insurance. So uh, you have to think about what is your tolerance for risk? What is your involvement in an area for risk? And so when you have the, if you want to protect yourself from the lunatic client, there are two things. One is have an out clause in your contract that, you know, I could end this contract with two weeks notice and they may be upset, but you have an out clause and that will give you some level of protection. But there are things called errors and omissions insurance, and it protects the worker from any kind of professional liability. Even if you have a corporation, an LLC, which is called limited liability, 
it may not limit all of your liabilities. So you may need this errors of emissions insurance, which is a type of insurance that protects the workers and the companies from any claims or negligence. It could be your financial advisor in the company and you made a recommendation, the company lost some money and they wanna hold you responsible for that loss or you or the company. So you may want to have an errors and omissions insurance against some of your business practice. Or maybe um, you broke the copy machine and they want you to pay for it. You know, so uh, it, they, it, I wouldn't think that that would be an issue they should hold you for. But if you, know, if you got upset and you kicked the machine and knocked it over, that may not be covered by their insurance. So you have to speak to you know, your own business professionals around you, whether it's your attorney, your insurance professional decide if that's needed. And each industry has its own rates because you know the underwriters of insurance deem certain industries more or less risky. And so the rates are gonna be more or less. And should you have a million, two million, three million, again, you have to decide what your tolerance is for the risk and what you think the potential of risk is. Now in certain fields, I know the, um, the gig marketplaces exist. Uh, so, for example, if you do digital related work, like you're an SEO person uh, or um, you do uh, AdSense uh, or, frankly, you know, there are people who do recruiting through these marketplaces. They get assignments that way. Um, you can work with sites like Fiverr, Upwork, Freelancer. Uh, these are all .com sites, folks. Uh, Upwork.com, Fiverr.com, Freelancer.com, and be able to pick up some gigs where you're bidding against other people, but you're able to pull in work. And they're, of course, taking a cut. Are you aware of other places where people are able to pull in work uh, from any of these marketplaces? And no is a perfectly valid answer. You know, there are, there are many, many websites that will promote or advertise gig work. So if we just start from that perspective, any of the job boards um, are going to have gig work. Employers hire through job boards all the time. Monster, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, CareerBuilder. I always liked CareerBuilder because they had the goofy commercials with the chimpanzees. Uh, so just from the commercials. Um, and LinkedIn is uh, also another place where you'll find the opportunity. And, and typically, there are not fees that you, the contractor, are paying there. Um, there are a couple of others. Some of them have subscriptions. Um, some of them are free. One is called Flex Jobs, F-L-E-X Jobs. So try that. Freelancer.com, you could try that. Solid Gigs. Um, I don't know the, the contract, I'm sorry, the costs for all of those. Flex Jobs is something like 50 or $60 a year. So not terribly expensive if you use it. And of course, it's likely going to be a business expense anyway. So a tax deduction. Uh, another way you can find uh, positions are hanging around where there are people. And so uh, join meetup groups. Uh, meetup.com, if you are not forming a meetup group, but if you're just someone who is looking, is completely free. So build a profile for yourself. It's completely free and find groups. And what you may want to look for are groups not of people like you. So as an IT person, I don't mind going to IT groups. I make contacts there. Maybe I could find a subcontractor, but I typically don't find work there. Um, I like to do a lot of work mostly for small business and not-for-profit organizations. So I'll join groups where small business hang out, where not-for-profit organizations, where possible clients would hang out. And the same with professional associations. Um, some professional associations have big fees, but maybe you can attend one meeting for free. 
And again, find the professional association of the industry where you're looking to work rather than in your, your own job specialty. And you may find uh, opportunities from uh, contractors and work there. You know, one place where I've always encouraged people to go is, especially for technology professionals, I always think about accountants, uh, groups of accountants, because they've got clients uh, that need support services. Uh, and the accountant, the accountant who's hearing the complaints of their client about their tech operation, I don't know what to do, they're always willing, willing to send out a recommendation. Well, you know, there are um, business networking groups that kind of act as you, you create your own referral network. Some of these groups could be a small group, eight, 10 people, a dozen people. Some could be quite large, a couple of dozen. But in those sorts of groups, there's a, a couple of big names out there. One is called BNI. BNI, Business Networking International. I was a member of BNI for a number of years, and although it didn't work for me, because right. uh, people don't like to pay for coaching in, in those groups, for a lot of people, it worked beautifully. You're right, yeah, yeah. So BNI, Latip, and then there are local ones. So I belong to a couple of local ones, you know, that are not big names. And, you know, the, the, the broad structure with them is, regardless of the number of people, you're the only one of your specific profession. So in my case, I might be the only one offering technology services. Um, there might be a, another person who's an attorney, but we could have several attorneys if they have different specialties. So we had a business law attorney and we had an employment law attorney. And while they could refer to each other, they didn't go after the same type of business. And coaching could be the same thing. You could have a life coach and you could have a business coach and you could have a personal coach. And you could say, well, they're different coaches. So it works out nicely. And you do develop a referral network. So I've had the opportunity either to work specifically for one of my uh, networking uh, friends, clients, and subcontract uh, subcontracted, or um, a, a straight out referral. David called this person. They I heard that they need may need your help. It's a nice setup. Um, so, how does one become a consultant? So, <laughs> it, it's it's really a very easy process. And uh, if we were live right now, I'd have everyone say this together. I am a consultant. I am a consultant. <laughs> yeah, just hang a shingle and say, I am a consultant. So, you know, that's, that's really all it is. Again, you don't need to have that organization or that company. And if you feel that you do, it would benefit you. You can speak to your uh, business attorney, or there are also, if you want to form a company, there are companies like Legal LegalZoom or the company corporation. Uh, they're kind of legal administrators who can walk you through the process. You can do it yourself. Um, but you really want to make sure you, you're going to be the expert, the specialist in an industry, in a niche area where you have an expertise. Because typically when we hire, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, consultants, we hire them for their expertise. So if you say, I can do it all, uh, that tends to be not as attractive to hiring organizations as this is specifically what I do to solve your problem. So understand your niche. And then because you're not employed the way you used to be, make sure you have a support mechanism behind you. So, you know, when you were at, at your office and you had a question and you didn't know the answer, you went to a coworker, you went to a boss, you went to somebody in another department 
Well, if your consulting business is not quite that big, if you're kind of a solopreneur, you need to know who you can reach out to when you stumble across a question you don't have the answer to. And it could be as simple as a Google search or any of your professional network. So make sure you know your target market. And then when you start marketing towards them or looking for the groups where you're going to participate, um, focus on that target market. And then another thing I, I tell uh, people who when we're in this situation, Jeff, is um, name your company, but also get your website domain right away. A website is so important. It's your digital business card. Imagine if you went to interview somebody and when you were done, you said, interview maybe like a plumber or an electrician or someone you wanted to work with and say, listen, may I have your card? If that person said, I don't have a card, you'd think that's a little weird. Well, not having a website as an independent person is the same weirdness, but it's kind of funny. I would say, get your web address right away, even if you haven't officially named your companies. And especially if you're gonna go down the path of registering it with your state, you know, as an LLC or a corp, because the name of your company, when you go through your state is typically in the public record. And why is it? Because you're looking to make sure there's no name like yours. So the name is in the public record. And so there are these people that are called squatters, they're not hackers. And what they do is they look at the public record and they'll go, oh, look, here's a company that just started. Let me see if I can squat on their web address. So if you're gonna call yourself the very big corporation and that's very good, they're gonna go and try and get that web address. And I don't know if there is or isn't one like that. And now if you go a few weeks later to try and get your web address, someone may be squatting on it from just a couple of weeks ago. And they typically, want to resell it at a profit. And I've actually had two prospective clients uh, who wanted me to help them acquire a web address and then ultimately build them a website. And sure enough, a few weeks earlier, someone squatted on their web address and they held out for big money. Yeah, what you could do is you could say, well, I could call it the dash very dash big dash corporation. Yeah, you could put, you could change it a little bit, but you, you don't want dashes and dots and things like that. You want easy. You know, you can register a website with some of these companies for 10 to $12 a year. You might register two or three of them of the two or three names you're thinking of. And then in a few weeks or months, when you realize I'm going to pick this as my name, let the others expire and just renew the one that you're going to use. You don't buy web addresses, by the way, you kind of lease them or rent them. And as long as you continue to pay for them, you get to continue to use them. So it kind of works more of a lease or rent model. But um, yeah, once you have it, you have it as long as you keep paying for it. So I'd say make sure you get that web address too. This has been a lot of fun and very informative. What haven't we covered yet that we really should before we close out today? Hmm. You know, as an independent, you may be, because you're that expert, you may be someone that may want to make sure you have the proper certifications or licensing. You know, an employer may say, you're a great project manager. You're not PMI certified, but we're going to bring you on board and we'll cover your PMI. As an independent, because you're an expert, if there are a lot of project manager consultants out there and they're certified, you may want to go out and get that certification. So it's not really the legal licensing requirement that some trades do have or some fields have, but you may want to make sure that you can compete effectively, you know, getting certifications. So um, that may be um, important. Yeah. 
Um, what else didn't we talk about? You know, if you need health insurance, there are a lot of places if you're going to be independent, like you mentioned, Jeff, you may be having a partner or a spouse who can cover you and that's fine. But if not, uh, your state may have a healthcare exchange. Uh, some states do. If not, you use the national exchange, healthcare.gov. Uh, New Jersey has their own exchange. New York has their own exchange. Um, so, and they're really the same thing. They're just administered in the state rather than uh, federally. Or maybe uh, you'll get your medical from Medicare, um, look for Medicare uh, insurance that way as well, and the gap insurance. Just keep in mind that if you're in a household where you're 65 or older and Medicaid eligible, the people in your household that are not 65 probably are not eligible for the Medicare. There may be certain exceptions that I don't know about. So you will have to cover them as well. Um, yeah, so be aware which is what my may... household is. You know, I'm the one who's over 65. My wife isn't. Uh, I pay insurance for her, and you know, it's, it's the price of admission and falling in love. It's, yeah, yeah, it's the way it is. Yeah, I, I'm fortunate. Um, it, my wife does work for an employer, and so we're covered that way. So that wasn't a direct expense for me. Um, but uh, if you do need insurance, there are options. Um, the healthcare exchange program, whether administered federally or by your state, uh, provides a lot of options. Uh, you can speak to an insurance professional who could speak more specifically for you. And you know, you can also, you might find health insurance from professional associations or very large chambers of commerce that as uh, create these groups for their members. And then therefore you can buy the insurance at a group rate rather than an individual rate. That may be a benefit as well. So, you know, look into all those as options. In many places, folks, by the way, David mentioned in passing, and I forgot to mention it earlier, one of the places to network as a smaller business is through the Chamber of Commerce. Yep, yep. In my town, Asheville, North Carolina, the Chamber is huge here. People develop great relationships through the chamber. There's a fee involved with joining. And so what? You, know, you get business, you have opportunities to network once or twice a month with people over breakfast or cocktails. And uh, it's a nice setup for folks. David, this has been fabulous. How can people find out more about you and the work that you do? Well, if they want to speak with me about any technology uh, projects that they're of interest, you can contact me through my website, princetontechadvisors.com, princetontechadvisors.com. And if you're a job seeker and you'd like to come visit us at one of our uh, meetings, we meet every Friday morning uh, at 10 o'clock. And this is a telecast uh, here, so uh, Eastern uh, Standard Time. Uh, it's psgofmercercounty.org, psgofmercercounty.org. We've got a website, so go check us out there and look at our event calendar. Meetings are always free. You don't register in advance. We're still virtual right now, so even if you're not in Princeton area, central New Jersey, you can come uh, join us. And Jeff has been a presenter to our group a number of times, which thank you so much for uh, being such a big supporter, not just for job seekers, but for groups like ours. My pleasure. And folks, we'll be back soon with more. I'm Jeff Alpin, The Big Game Hunter. Hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did and you're watching on YouTube, share it, leave a comment, do something that lets people know it was worthwhile. The comments in particular are good, so do that. And also visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us, where I've got thousands of posts in the blog that are searchable. You can watch, listen to, or read them. They will help you find work more quickly, hire more effectively, manage, lead, and support you with different workplace issues. 
I'm also doing a twice weekly live stream on LinkedIn, on YouTube, and on Facebook on the Jeff Altman, the Big Game Hunter page. Career Coach Office Hours beginning March 1st, 2022 is at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesdays and Fridays. So come join me, ask questions, be happy to answer them. Lastly, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. Hope you have a terrific day and most importantly, be great. Take care.